Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Wednesday morning and that means we bring back the lovely Anna Kelly as part of our expert series. Let's welcome Anna to the show. How are you doing, Anna? I'm great today, Michael. How are you? Oh, I am, uh, I'm doing a lot better than uh, even our Monday conversation, but we will save that discussion for the end. Uh, I'm getting bombarded, as are you, really with two topics. Uh, these topics come from the basically the I'm scared category. Uh, so let's just address those head on. Uh, you and I uh, are owners of hundreds, if not thousands of units. Uh, so the number one question I am getting from landlords is, you know, what are you doing to prepare uh, for tenants not paying, uh, not paying rent? So why don't, why don't we start there? Any, any initial thoughts on that? Sure, Michael. So, you know, obviously that's been our biggest question uh, as landlords and, and the biggest question that, that um, I'm seeing, you know, I've had a couple of um, calls with other investors where we're all kind of asking the same thing is mm-hmm. if this thing goes bad and long, um, what's going to happen when tenants can't pay rent? And so we've got, you know, the category of tenants who are going to keep their jobs for a while and for us who uh, may be on Section 8 already, and those payments, as we've discussed Monday, will continue to come. But then we've got that, you know, swath of employees who might work at a grocery store or at a restaurant or at another business where they can't work from home and they're being laid off. And so the likelihood Mm -hmm. is they're not going to be able to pay their rent next month and maybe the following month. It just depends on how long this goes. So some of the questions have surrounded, you know, what percentage of our tenants won't pay? Mm-hmm. How bad is our, our vacancy rate going to be next month and the following month? And is it enough that we need to um, figure out whether we can cover those costs with our cash reserves or, or with other mechanisms? And so I don't think any of us really has any idea how bad it's going to be till we cross April 1st. Um, I, I tend to think it might be, you know, 10 or 15 percent maybe mm-hmm. that can't pay um, mm-hmm. in, in my area. And I can absorb that. You know, if we've underwritten well, we've kind of hopefully put in at least 10% vacancies as a, as a, you know, minimum to make sure that we can meet our debt coverage service mm-hmm. ratio, even if um, we think that our vacancy rate is going to be lower. And so uh, I think that the bottom line answer is we will have some people that can't pay. Mm-hmm. How bad is it going to be? Make sure we can cover our um, mortgage payments. And then, you know, the next question is, how do we work with those tenants? So the reality is most likely uh, local magistrates are not going to allow landlords to evict tenants at this time who haven't been able to pay. I think they're just not going to to let us do that. And so I think we have to be prepared for we can't just go evict everybody that can't pay. We're going to do better uh, by being good people, number one, and helping our tenants working with them, finding out on a one-on-one basis, what can they afford? What's their situation? Letting them know that we're here for them, that we're going to be good to them and we'll do our best to work with them, but asking them to make some type of good faith payment to show Mm -hmm. that they intend to stay, they want to stay. And quite frankly, ask for some kind of evidence that they really have lost a job or, or something. Because 
unfortunately you will have people that just say, oh, I can't pay because I can't work. And some of them might just take advantage. So I think there's oh, yeah. this real balance of, sure. of humanity and wanting to do right by people, but also not letting people take advantage um, without some kind of evidence that they're really struggling right now. Yeah, I think, you know, I just want to take this one step further. So we're in a complete alignment on all of that. I think what's going to come out of this, because right now you're in disaster mode, right? You know, potentially disaster mode. You, you've, 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 everything is equal at this moment. But I think what's going to happen in a couple of months, because uh, as you'll hear in the third conversation or the third topic, the, the federal government is eventually going to get money in the hands of its citizens. So I think yes. what is going to happen very, very quickly is we're going to see a bifurcation uh, in landlords. Uh, the ones that focus on affordable housing that are below the median in their market that produce high quality stuff uh, and are frankly good people, um, they're going to have, they're going to collect their rents. So for example, right, I'm budgeting just like you. It's funny how often our numbers sink. I'm, I'm budgeting missing about $10,000 plus or minus in rent on April 1st. That's kind of what I've been going, you know, that's my best guess. I've looked at all my tenants, looked at all the rent sources. I've been identified high risk or potential. And I'm going, okay, it's going to probably be about 10 grand. It's, you know, you know, thankfully that doesn't change my life one iota. Um, and we're going to work with everybody that has to be worked with. But when I step back one step further and go, okay, the federal government is going to, is going to send checks. It'll be one month, two months, three months. Oh, by the way, they are going to extend unemployment. They're going to raise limits. They're going to have paid sick. They're, all of these programs are going to finally eventually come and help citizens, which is what I've been talking about for six weeks. This is a Main Street problem, not a Wall Street problem. So I am confident I will get back seven to $8,000 of my April 1st rent by April 30th uh, because people need food, water first, which this is not waterborne, so water is there. Food, shelter. And... Yes. Um, I'm not worried one iota about my affordable housing. I am certainly happy that I, I rent there. It's where I'm comfortable. It's where I grew up in. Um, I'm glad I never, I'm glad I don't own Boardwalk and Park Place to, to steal a monopoly term. Um, but yeah. to your point, I fully expect there will be a set of individuals that take advantage of every crisis. They will claim this or that and they will fake stuff. And, you know, where I'm sitting, I'm not going to be judge and jury. I'm going to let karma kick you in the ass later. Uh, but there will be people that miss two or three months and then they'll just skip. And, you know, I'm, I'm planning for that because some people right. are rotten and, um, you know, I'm not smart enough and nor am I going to be a detective and really try to figure out who's, who's telling me the truth and who isn't. I just, I don't have the time for that. If, if that makes you feel like a good person, go for it. Um, you know, I'll let karma deal with you later and I'm going to, I'm going to sleep good at night knowing I'm taking care of everybody that I can. Uh, but where this was going is affordable housing is going to be fine. The federal government won't let it break. Then there's the kind of B, B class market where you were probably above the median, um, probably a white collar job. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem short term. Most of those people have, <coughs> have enough to get through a month or two. That's going to be the problem when this is over. There are going to be white collar jobs that are lost. Um, and, you know, they probably make, you know, they, they probably have spending that's above the unemployment level. My affordable class, yes. they're, they're going to be fine, right? They're going to get basically their paycheck back. The middle, the middle that are, are renting are in trouble and forget selling today. They're really in trouble. Uh, and then there's the higher, you know, if you're a landlord that only has class A stuff, 
you're going to have a rough year. You are going to have a freaking rough year. Um, so that's how I see this all breaking yeah. down throughout the year. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think for a while, the blue collar are going to be okay as, as companies scramble to try to work from home. Mm -hmm. And as they're hearing, you know, promises from the Fed that they're going to help small businesses. So um, I, I was just listening to this congressional discussion uh, in Congress today. And they said, listen, we are not going to let uh, this trickle down and hurt small businesses, because we realize that if you are hurt, you have to lay off more people and that's just going to hurt everything. So mm -hmm. the government's at least talking about trying to, to help businesses get them funding to be able to stay afloat while consumers stay home. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, blue collar might have some more time uh, in the very short term compared to those workers who work at, let's say a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it will trickle down. And as big corporations have to make cuts, they're going to cut their highest paid employees, their executives, their middle managers, you know, they're, they're, that's who they're going to cut because they get a bigger bang for their buck by cutting out, um, you know, the middle, um, they'll keep the staff people that are absolutely critical for the day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then they'll cut management. And I know when I worked at AIG, I was the head of our business continuity planning project and um, disaster recovery for our division. Mm -hmm. And we basically have what, what's called critical business functions. And this program I'm going to talk about was put into place throughout the country in big uh, companies because of the avian flu that was mm. that people were afraid of years and years ago, the I Fed remember. mandated that big companies have these disaster recovery plans. And so what we basically did is said everybody that's not performing what's considered a critical business function, meaning what they have to do legislatively and to provide for customers. So you, you need a beneficiary change. You're, you're, you're good if you're an employee who handles beneficiary changes. If you need cash withdrawals, you're good if your employee that handles cash withdrawals. But if you are a manager, other than one manager who supervises those staff, those managers stay home. The actuary stay home. The project managers stay home. The senior managers stay home. And once they stay home long enough that you can see that you're really not needed for 30 days, 60 mm. days, you know, you're gone. So a lot of times those people though, to be fair, own their own homes. So I think it's going to hurt them more in terms of potential foreclosures exactly. than those are the people who are renting properties from you. Um, yes. but, but you do have those who are single, who are millennial, um, don't have any kids and maybe they're living in a luxury apartment and, and those rents will, will suffer as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're going to see once again, uh, a bifurcation in the market, those that own or rent to the affordable, which is the masses. I think you're going to, it's going to hurt. Don't get me wrong. We've already talked about what we're prepared for roughly a 10% hit, but I think I think the affordable folks are going to get through this far better than the kind of white collar and certainly the high end. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think we have to really think about as landlords right now is um, in addition to, you know, other expenses that we still have to cover, even if we're not getting rents, our mortgage payments is something that we, we can potentially have some leeway in trying to negotiate if we had to. Mm -hmm. So I uh, had talked to my lenders a couple weeks ago when rates were really falling about doing a rate mod and locking in a lower rate uh, because I have several loans that are coming up for renewal. And even for those that aren't coming up for renewal because they're still in the five-year period, I called to say, what would it take for me to buy down the rate today? And since rates got cut, well, the Fed rate got cut another percent on Sunday, um, it doesn't always trickle down to mortgage rates, consumer mortgages, but it does tend to fairly 
quickly follow that LIBOR and prime-based rates tend to go down. So I called my lenders actually yesterday and said, listen, I know you told me you could get me down to one of them was four and an eight on a commercial. And I said, okay, that, that's good. But now the Fed cut further. Um, I know your floor is four. Will you go to four? You know, I want to keep my loans with you, but I can refi. My prepayments aren't that bad or they're close. If you'll go to four, I'll stay. And they called me back within 15 minutes and said, done. So, you know, for me, I'm happy with four because I don't have to pay the cost of refi and go through the long lines of people that are trying to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I lowered my rate. And so my payments are all going to go down, which is going to help me when people can't pay rent. While on that conversation, one of my lenders said, before we do this, um, do you anticipate needing any forbearance or delay of your payments? Do you think that you'll need to stop paying us for a short time? Because if you think you might, we won't lower your rates. Mm -hmm. um, but if we lower your rates, we don't want you coming back and asking for a forbearance. So they are thinking through these things. And I said, listen, I'm well capitalized at this point. I don't foresee that. If this thing goes on a very, very long time, then just like all your other landlords, I might have to come back to you. But I'm going to do my part to be responsible and cover everything I can without asking you to delay my payments. Mm -hmm. um, but I just wanted to throw that out there because then I followed up with another lender who was also offering me a lower rate, but not at four. I said, mm -hmm. hey, I've got four. I need you to match it. So they're going to come back to me. So I, I think it is a good time to at least have a conversation with your mortgage holders, your lenders. Yeah and say, what are my options if this thing gets really bad? One, can you lower my payment? Can I pay a mod fee to do it? Number two, if worst case scenario hits and crap hits the fan worse than we think it's going to, you know, what options do I have for delaying payments? Mm -hmm. So at least start those conversations now so that you're prepared if and when things got as bad as, as some people say they might. Yeah. Great, great advice. Again, landlords, um, if you're in the affordable market, my opinion is, you know, I think you're going to have a, um, your cash flow is not going to be as easy or streamlined as it was. I would say you're going to collect most of it. Some people will take advantage of it. Certainly follow Anna's advice and talk to your lender. Look about lowering rates. Have that discussion up front. Communication uh, is always a positive, whether it's with tenants or mortgage uh, lenders, because bad news doesn't get better with age. Uh, attack it head on. So, Great, yeah. great advice. Um, now it'll be interesting to get to topic number two. Uh, let's, you know, let's talk about housing values because that's what affects most people, right? We, we, we can then tailor it into multifamily uh, because you and I have experience there. But let's talk about values of homes, right? Some people are like, hey, is this going to be 2008 all over again where high price markets like California, you know, saw a 50% haircut, um, you know, people are saying, oh my God, it's coming. I'm here. I'm getting excited. And, and my answer to them is probably not. Uh, but what do you think about housing value? I, I think like many things, it's going to be very regionalized. I think it's going to depend significantly on where you are and whether those markets heated up artificially over the last couple of years and whether they're sustainable. So mm -hmm. for my area, uh, single family homes in the last year, year and a half, had a pretty big jump in values compared to their, their steady, you know, mm -hmm. rise at three to 4% over the last several years. So I think that, that in my particular area, we might see a, a slight softening in prices. I don't think it's going to be astronomical mm -hmm. because we haven't gone up at an astronomical rate. Mm -hmm. um, we, we don't have a lot of uh, ups and downs. And even after our 
2008-2009 crash, our values did not take a significant hit. They've been pretty stable uh, through ups and downs. And so, you know, I'm in an area that's very kind of resilient to, to market swings. We don't have the highs that some people do, but we don't have the lows that they do either. I think in, in other areas, um, beach towns, maybe you can speak better to this than I can, but maybe Silicon Valley, you know, maybe San Francisco. I think those kind of areas will definitely take a hit in valuation at some point. Mm -hmm. And part of that is just because if we are heading toward recession, values will come down. If those areas are in hypersupply already, they were bound to start coming down. It was just a matter of if, not when. Mm -hmm. And this could exacerbate or quicken that you know, downturn mm -hmm. um, if you're in hypersupply. Mm -hmm. the, the other question, you know, it's always an issue of supply and demand. And so if people are staying home and they're afraid of losing jobs, they're not waiting for a house. So the more expensive the home, I think the bigger hit you will take because there's fewer people at that level that can afford those houses that are not afraid of losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And so therefore the houses are going to sit longer and the prices mm -hmm. are going to have to come down. I think if you're a first time home buyer and you have a job that you see is pretty stable through the next couple of months, you might still be looking for a house and those values maybe won't come down as much. Yeah. I think, I think you've nailed how I kind of break it down. Let's, let's, I'll start where you ended. Uh, I think the tiers of the market, you, if you follow my channel for any length of time, I'm very big on understanding the median for your area. It's, it's the great equalizer, right? Silicon Valley median is 1.2 million. So, uh, Fresno's median is 260. I can intelligently talk about either market when I reference the median. So learn the median right. in your market. If you are above, if you have a home that's 2x the median and you are looking to sell, if you're a flipper in that market, good freaking luck you are going to have an incredibly long hold period that could yes. take you into next year, right? I'm talking yes, incredible, so. right? So don't do it, right? Don't start that project if you think you're going to flip something to X the median because you got a half a million dollars. I mean, I, I just heard this yesterday. I can pick up this must-sell opportunity in blah, 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 city of the Silicon Valley for half a million dollars less. And oh, by the way, I can sell it for, you know, three million bucks. I'm like, are you freaking an idiot? Do you want to go bankrupt? Right? Yeah. Right. Your ARVs of yesterday are not your ARVs of tomorrow. Stop it. What, Absolutely. Stop it. So if, yeah. you're, so if you're 2X the median, done. Uh, if you're 50% if you're above the median, probably not a good place to be either. either. But if you're investing 80% of the median, you're going to be fine. The supply is hyper small. Uh, you, you have both investment buyers and owner occupant buyers, um, you're going to be fine. So that's that category. Then if you go back to regions, I'm glad you brought that up. I believe most of the country, let's call it 90% of the country, could see a statistical drop in home values of somewhere between 5 and 8%. And I call it a statistical drop on purpose just because of the way numbers works. Yeah. I believe a lot of Sales that could have happened won't because sellers will just pull it off the market because they're in no rush. And I think and that's happening now. Absolutely. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of buyers who would normally buy aren't going to buy because they're scared. So that is going to leave only motivated sellers. And as I know, in 2010, the, most, the only time I have experience with motivated sellers, they will accept a discount. So the only transactions closing probably for the next 60 or 90 days or the majority of them are going to be motivated sellers, which when you do the math on statistics and the closings are motivated, 
you're going to get an artificial drop. It's just how math works. I believe in the other 10%, meaning Silicon Valley, Manhattan, Orange County, Miami, right? The places that are frankly unaffordable. I talk about in my book all the time. It's my indicator, right? The affordability index. You are going to suffer in a big way because you have what we talked about earlier, right? It's a lot of white collar. It's a lot of managers and senior managers. And while I think you will live fine for the first two months of this, you're going to come out the other side and we are going to have layoffs and it's going to be that part of the sector that gets hit. And suddenly we're going to have a wave of forced sellers. And there are, there, I've, I've come out publicly and said the Bay Area is going to see at least a 15% drop in transactions and at least a 15% drop in value this year. And I think that's being conservative. I think if I, you know, if I really talked about 20 yeah. or 25%, it would, people would call me crazy. So, um, I was honestly thinking probably 20% just based on the affordability compared to the rest of the country, especially, you know, right now they're saying that this thing could, could go on through July, August before we really get a hold on. So, you know, it's not like, Hey, it's going to be a month or two in the summer. Things are going to go gangbusters. They they might, but I I doubt it. I think realistically we're going to see a drop. The question is how big and how long does it last? You know? And, and and to your point, I think that's why most people who are flipping houses that are doing really well, they stay just above the average of a first-time home buyer price point for what they flip because 70% of people that are looking to buy homes mm-hmm. are in that price range. And so you're already, if you're flipping, you know, high dollar houses, you're already out of, you know, where the majority of the market is looking and you've got to narrow it down to that, you know, 10% of people who are looking um, and, and now they're going to sit even longer. The other thing I think is worth mentioning is for a lot of regions that are very dependent on oil. If you haven't been watching what oil's done in the midst of the stock market and everything else, oil's really gone down again. And so I have a really good friend and partner who was in Houston in the oil and gas business a few years ago when oil tanked. Mm. And it was like a couple weeks before the oil and gas company started laying off in mass. And they were flipping a house in Houston that was in that half a million dollars, $600,000 range. And it's set for over a year and, ah. and they prepared for losses and, and lost money because yeah. the people in that neighborhood all work oil and gas. And so again, whatever industries are hit the hardest, any housing around there is where the, the people in those industries live and have a lot more supply. And the prices are going to really have to come down. So if you're in the business of, of flipping houses or, you know, even having rentals in certain areas, you know, going in for the, the sexy, big, you know, luxury building has a lot of risk, um, you know, other than in the real high up cycle. So it's not an area that I like to play in. Oh, it's an area I'll never plan. Uh, people bring me stuff all the time. I mean, if you bring me something that's even 10% of the median, I won't play. I'm like, nope, not my thing. I know, my, I know, where, I know where safety lies. I'm going over here. Um, so that's, that's pretty right. So right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the Bay Area is in trouble. I think the Bay Area is in trouble for that reason. I don't know, by the way, people are leaving because we're just an extremely high-taxed area, uh, homeless. I mean, there's all, California is, at least the Bay Area, huge negatives. Um, which I think will help Fresno long term, but also will help Texas and Arizona and Nevada and, and all of that. So, all right. It'll be interesting to see how many people very quickly put a house on the market. And oh, yeah. full disclosure, I have a house that I, I was going to keep as a rental. I redid it. And then I thought, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and sell this just because I'm moving more toward multifamily, but I still like my singles. 
And I just kind of put it out there on Zillow. And I said, hey, I'll be a realtor commission. But since I'm not that motivated to sell, I'm not going to list it yet. And I had four agents show it. One was ready to make an offer. And they changed their mind on buying anything before they submitted the offer because of what's going on right now. So I, I called my realtor and I said, Let, let's go ahead and list it and let's just see what happens. And if, it, if I don't sell it, no problem. I'm not that motivated. I'll just put a tenant in it and keep it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there now. While rates are low, you hope that the low rates are going to still attract enough buyers that if there's not much on the market, maybe you can still sell. So I would recommend if you've got something that you're really afraid you're going to take a hit, go ahead and put it on the market now and just see. You've, you've got a better chance now than you might a month from now if things get worse. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to throw it out there and, and see what happens and then I'll have a better pulse on, you know, how it's really impacting buyers and, and whether they stay away or whether they're trying to quickly get something while rates are good. Cool. I look forward to following this for the next week or two because my, my suspicion, again, I know nothing about your market, is um, buyer's retreat across the board with all these headlines, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about the positive, what I call the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I've been very disappointed with what's been going on in the, I'll call it the political arena for lack of a better term. Uh, I'm starting to finally see that they're talking about real things and not little band-aids. Um, do you see a light at the end of the tunnel just yet or um, no? I think the news of the last day or two, um, what the government is doing and how quickly they're stepping up is, is positive. I think they're really trying to calm the nerves of the American people mm-hmm. um, of Wall Street, but also Main Street more importantly. They're really trying to come in and say, listen, we are going to help you. We realize that, that making you stay home is going to hurt. We realize people are going to lose jobs. Small businesses are going to be struggling. And it seems like across both parties, if what I'm hearing, not only in the press releases, but in these discussions in Congress right now, they really want to help the American people. And so while I'm typically not a big government intervention type of person, I'm thankful that they are stepping up in a time of crisis and saying, we are going to do our best to help not just big corporations, but the American people. And so sending checks to every single citizen that you know, makes under a certain dollar amount, probably being able to delay when you have to pay taxes up to a million dollars. Both of those things are very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, talking, they're talking now to mortgage companies. I heard him say today in the congressional discussions just before a call, they're talking to banks about how to make sure that banks can react with government backing to help people um, if they can't make their payments. And so all of those things are positive signs. Let's just hope they can pull it together, pass, you know, common sense legislation quickly in both houses and not let it get tied up in politics. And if they can pass the legislation and start putting some uh, plans in place to help us, if this thing goes longer and we have to stay home longer, I think all of that's going to uh, bode better for us than what I thought a couple of days ago. Yeah, I am. I am remarkably excited by what I see. What I see coming, even since Monday when we had our our talk after after your Disneyland trip, uh, because again I've seen this for for months as a three legged stool, and it was being they were being attacked individually, not in concert, and at different levels. And to be clear, what I'm talking about is first and foremost, most important is the health. Right, this is a health and, and safety issue. 
And yes. for the longest time, we tried to pretend it wasn't. We tried to talk it down with words. That has now been reversed. Now we're serious. I was frankly disappointed with some images I saw on social media yesterday about college kids in Miami, thousands of them on the beach. So clearly it's not working everywhere yet, but it's better. Uh, and that's why I think we will this week have a national shutdown. I, I see it coming because um, California, my valley, where I am, already done three weeks, stay home. Uh, but that doesn't work if the entire country is not that way, right? So I see that coming. Um, it's just, it's going to happen. So that's the first one in test cases and testing and testing and testing. We are finally getting to the point where we're going to be testing the people that need to be tested. So the numbers will get worse, but then they will get better. So that's, that's one. The second one, the one that has been missing from this is helping citizens. I have said for a long time, this is not a Wall Street problem. Yes, Wall Street is on TV. Yes, we see 3,000 point drops. It scares everybody. But forget it. It's not a Wall Street problem. It is a Main Street problem. And we are finally talking about sending money to the citizens. I am the biggest capitalist in the world, but sometimes the world gets choppy and you've got to do it. You don't want yes. riots in the street. I've, I'm under the opinion that you need to send $1,000 to every person every month as long as this is called a national security or national emergency. Let's just mm -hmm. put the timeline, right? If this goes through April, if this goes through May and it's no longer a national, then the money stops. If this goes through August, money stops. If it goes through December, I don't care. Thousand bucks a month, every person until this is not a national. This is, we have to treat this like a war. In the times of war, you do abnormal things. You are right. asking 70% of our economy to stay home. You have to let them stay home, else they're going to go rob and do all these other things because they got to eat. So let's, right. re, let's give money for food, money for shelter, then we'll stay home. We'll gripe, we'll moan, blah, blah, blah. But we won't have people robbing neighbors and killing people, right? So yeah. let's, let's just do this. And then the third one is there is absolutely something broken in Wall Street. The debt market is broken. Um, there needs to be companies uh, that are... Um, I don't want to say taken over because what I want them to do is what we talked about on money. I want them to buy 10, 15, 20, 25% of company. I want them to buy com common stock. The last thing I want them to do is come in with some kind of debt structure that wipes out common. Let's stop hurting the American people. Let's have, if the federal government come in and said, I'm going to buy 25% of Boeing at a hundred, freaking Boeing stock would be 150 in a heartbeat, right? Mm -hmm. Just because there's that that backing that they're not going to go anywhere. You want to help, you want to help the airlines go have the national government buy 10% of every publicly traded common stock of airlines. Let's not mess around with, Oh, let's force them into bankruptcy and liquidation and do all right. Stop hurting the American. Yeah. People. So uh, I'm encouraged. I see the light. It's still far away, but yeah. yesterday I didn't see a light, right? We were that far away. So I can see a glimmer. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew all along we would get through this. Uh, I just wasn't sure how much pain, politicians uh, were willing to accept before they did something. Uh, as you said earlier, they're talking today, which is step one to doing something. Um, I hope to hear by four o'clock my time. No. Yeah. Four o'clock my time, seven o'clock your time, that there's a bill that is working its way through and it's been signed in either the House or the Senate and the president will be signing it on national TV tomorrow. That's what I hope yeah. happens. We'll see. I hope so. I we'll hope see. so. I think one other thing that is interesting that I just wanted to bring up because it's along these same lines is I'm seeing petitions already in Pennsylvania to Tom Wolf's office, the governor here, to um, put in place rent abatement where people don't have to pay rent. And so, 
you know, people are like, oh my gosh, if, you know, landlords around here are kind of panicked, what if they say, because it's more of a, a liberal government here mm-hmm. that, you know, tenants don't have to pay rent. What are they going to do for landlords? Are they going to then trickle that down and say banks can't charge landlords, you know, uh, mortgages until this happens. So mm-hmm. there's some of this legislation too, that people are really pushing for um, that could impact us. But I'm hoping that nothing like that would happen. And that if it did, and then they would put into place, you know, some type of programs to help out landlords like us as well. well so this, this I'm is, more optimistic. Yeah. I don't see it happening, but yeah. it could. Well, this is why the federal government needs to get out of the way. The federal government is the only agency big enough to attack this problem head on. But yeah. in absence of federal government, local governments will do their job. And I don't know this guy at all, uh, but frankly, the federal government has been a disaster and not been doing anything. So he's right to try to help his his citizens, right? His little pocket. Um, But this is why step two of my three-legged stool needs to happen. If the federal government sends a thousand dollars to every citizen, his little proposal goes away because you take care of water first, which is relatively free, right? Comes out of the town. You have to food shelter. Yeah. uh, His, his, uh, the federal government today at four o'clock says everybody's going to get a thousand dollars. And as long as this is a national emergency, his, his thing just disappears because rent will be paid and thus mortgages will be paid at least most of the time. True. So true. Uh, so again, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll say it. I'm excited. Uh, I mean, you, you know, in order to get through hell, you got to keep going. Right. So uh, I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. It is undoubtedly far, far away. Things will get worse before they get better. But you would have asked me yesterday. I'm like, no light, no light, no light. Yeah. So uh, this is a big yeah. change for me. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm hopeful, and I think that's what the the government is trying to to say to the American people is is we've got you. Don't fear, you know. Don't let this you know keep you from doing the right thing. And and hopefully they continue to do the right thing, and we all uh, come out of this thing better in a few months. Very very cool. Well, Anna, thank you very much. I know you have a crazy busy day ahead of you. Uh, don't forget you got to exercise. Find a way to exercise. Remember, this, this is part of your goals. Yeah, <laughs> it is, Michael. You're right. I got to go down to the basement today. We're going to do a lot of cleaning and I got a treadmill down there. So maybe oh, I'll dust it off. work while I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> Very cool. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.